Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is May 19th, 2019. 108 days to kick off. You feeling better today, Ralph? Yeah, a little bit. The summer cold suck. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I had one. What'd you got for news? Not a whole lot. Steve Mad Dog Doomick has passed away. Longtime radio announcer in the Tampa Bay area. It was really cool on Twitter reading all the tributes to him. All the media personalities that we know that had connections to him, relationships. Yeah, pretty much everybody down there has at one time or another worked with Steve Doomig. It's big passing. He uh, was a big voice in the Tampa Bay sports area for about 30 years. Wow. Good stories from Pewter Report and Rick Stroud, all those guys. Yeah, it was Pewter Report had the Fab Five, and that was one of their fabs. What is that? Yeah, fab. A fab. I have no idea what that means. I don't either. I'm sure if we took five seconds to look into it, we could figure it out. Yeah. I meant to say this in our last podcast. Mike Evans had a celebrity bowling event Saturday, but since we didn't have it in the last podcast, I can all I can tell you is it happened Saturday. <laughs> okay. It was held at Grand Station Entertainment in College Station, Texas. I didn't really hear anything about it, how it went. We had talked about it in one podcast. He had a few ex-Augies. Celebrities show up last year. I'm not sure who we had this year. We didn't get a whole lot of news from OTAs on Wednesday and Thursday because apparently the media was not allowed in those days. We got a little bit of the takeaways from Carmen Vitale on the Buccaneers.com website. She had a couple articles up. Nothing really stood out that much. But we did have some transactions. We signed wide receiver Bryant Mitchell, who was from the CFL. He had signed with the Cardinals, but then they waived him last week. He played with the CFL's Edmonton Eskimos and spent three years in Canada. So his career, he's got 97 passes for 1,418 yards and six touchdowns in 19 games. So we had to waive undrafted rookie long snapper Dan Godsold to make room for him. So we've got one long snapper, that's Zach Triner. Yeah, still plenty of time to go in the offseason and get yeah. somebody else. But Right, we could even bring Dan back and get rid of Zach. Who knows? That's a cutter move right there. <laughs> Who was it? Was it Lovey Smith that did that? When we had like 112 transactions in the... Yeah. He was cutting people and then signing them back and then cutting people. But Cutter did that too. Yeah. All the time. Um, Who was the guy, a receiver, that they liked that they kept doing that to? He would be on the practice squad. Martino. Freddie Martino. Freddie Martino. Yeah. They did, I swear they had to have cut him six times. Yeah, you're exactly right. He was cut six times by the Buccaneers from... 2016 and 2018. Good Lord. He's got 26 transactions on his bio between the Atlanta Falcons, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's hilarious. He must show just just enough flashes to get attention, but then isn't productive or doesn't fit in well. Or Yeah, this is a heck of a thing. I mean, a heck of a list. We signed him, then waved him, then activated him from the practice squad, then waved him, then cut him, then <laughs> added him to the practice squad, then activated him from the practice squad, then re-signed him, then cut him, then added him to the practice squad, then activated him from the practice squad, then waved him, then cut him, then added him to the practice squad, 
then activated him from the practice squad, then signed him, and then finally cut him October 16th, 2018. Poor Freddie. He played in four games. Wow. In 2018. Actually, he's played in 26 games throughout his four-year career so far. Started none of them. In 2016, he played in 13 games for us. So a good backup, maybe a practice squad guy. He had one touchdown. Okay. Receiving touchdown. I think him and Jameis Winston had pretty good chemistry, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Seems like Jameis has good chemistry with everyone but... Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson. You hear about Patrick Peterson got popped for PEDs. Yeah, that was really strange. Surprised me. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that... But then again, PEDs include everything now. I know. Well, Dan Buchanan tweeted that... The truth will come out. Yeah, and that you get in trouble for too much coffee sometimes. And so, it really, we don't know anything about what's going on yet. And we never will. The CBA, the way that's set up now, the players can say whatever they want. That's why you hear all these guys saying, oh, when they get suspended for PEDs, they they say, oh, I was on Adderall. Yeah. Because that's like an acceptable drug. But they could say anything. Well, that's what happened with Josh Freeman. Quite a few guys on our team yeah. were saying they were doing Adderall, but yeah, he came out and said ahead of time. Before I think was he suspended before he got into the drug program, he came out and said Shiano. Oh yeah, there was his role. They were long blaming, light up about his. Yeah, they were blaming Shiano for leaking the information, and then he said oh, it was just Adderall. But we know that's not true. We assume it's not true, but yeah, all the guys. They could say whatever they want with the C- the new CBA. I guess with HIPAA laws, too. Yeah, the NFL is not allowed to say what they got popped for. But the players can say whatever they want about what they got popped for. Patrick Peterson isn't denying it whatsoever. He already said he's sorry. Yeah. Came out with an apology. Yeah, he apparently, like the week before he got suspended, knew he was going to be suspended, so he went to the front office at Arizona and tried to get them to restructure his contract so he would have money this season. Ooh. Yeah, he, he lost, I think it was like $3 million. That's what he's going to lose during the suspension, and I guess he's cash-strapped. <laughs> I don't know. but And they refused, and he kind of got a little bit upset about that. Oh, maybe that's when he took his all the Arizona Cardinals off his Instagram and right. everything. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I wonder what he was using. He's going to have to get a job at McDonald's <laughs> during the suspension, pay his bills. I'm sure. <laughs> he could be a consultant somewhere. He could get a broadcasting job. I don't think they drug test those idiots. <laughs> Look at Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> He's like unconscious pretty much every broadcast. <laughs> we'll have... Next week of OTAs, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think it's the same drill. Media has access on Tuesday. On Tuesdays, yeah. So, see, we didn't know this until OTAs start on Wednesday, and we were like, how come we're not hearing anything from OTAs by the media? And then we found out that they weren't allowed Wednesday and Thursday. But Carmen Vitale has been doing some write-ups on Buckingham. Yeah, they've been good. I enjoy those. Yes, and she was on podcast Friday. I want to say it was locked on bucks. Okay. Can't remember. But it was pretty good. She has some good insight. She's saying it's really amazing at the energy at practice. Now, do you remember her last year? No. I think she's new. Right. So I'm thinking. Well, 
She might have been there last year. I do not remember any reporting from her from training camp last year. Yeah. So I'm like, what do you have to compare that to? You know, that's the thing about training camp. Every year you hear all this great stuff and then the season starts. And I think she's a Bears fan. So I don't know if she worked for the Chicago Bears, but I think that she's from that area. I know she's a Blackhawks fan. Okay. Hockey. So, yeah. Yeah, she. I think she worked in that area. Okay. She seems to really enjoy the Buccaneers. Yeah, she says there's a lot of energy, and it's really hard to keep track of what's going on on the field. She says she about gets whiplash because she has to watch both ends of the field because they have two practices going on. Yeah. You know, at opposite ends of the field. So she's like, something will happen over here, and I'll look at it, and then I'll hear something over there, and I'll turn my head real quick, and it's just back and forth. She says it's a lot of... A lot of action going on, a lot of energy. Everybody seems to be excited. She needs to have an intern so she can cover one and the intern can cover the other one oh <laughs> and tell her what happened. <laughs> everybody has to, there has to be double everybody with this. No kidding. Regime. Yeah. I imagine it is kind of hard to cover it. I don't think Vernon Hargreaves is back Wednesday, Thursday. Really? I don't think so. I think Joe Buckfan said in all the pictures. Um, Vernon's not on the field. Now, Greg Allman came out. So everyone made a big deal about it on Tuesday, including us, about Vernon not practicing. And then it came out the next day, Greg Allman tweeted that it was injury-related. And that's why Vernon wasn't practicing. But apparently, B.A. thought he should be practicing, so... Well, V.A. Sturry's got to really be careful. I mean, he's on the bubble. Let's make no doubts about it. The We've got a bunch of defensive backs that we drafted. He's got a lot of competition back there, and he's really shown nothing. And he's been injured every year. And even when he's been on the field, he's kind of gotten torched. But then again, everybody did in Mike Smith's defense. But That's true. He has not been worthy of his first-round draft pick status so far. We picked up his fifth-year option, but that doesn't mean anything. That just means he can't sign anywhere else unless we cut him. So we can still cut him and not lose any money. Right, yeah, it's not guaranteed until, what, March next year or whatever. So, you know, he's he's really on thin ice. And I think B.A. is trying to bring him up, lift him up, whatever, get him playing better. And if he comes to practice first day talking about, ooh, I've got a slight injury coach, I don't think I can play today. Well, that's what B.I. said. You got, he's got to get his mind right for practice. So maybe it was just a small thing. And B.A. is old school. Yeah. He, Not he, this he, new school of use it out for a hamstring. Right. Yeah, he expects you to play through injury. And he's had some really tough quarterbacks that he's coached. Yes. Manning. Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger. Luck. Yeah. Luck was always, oh, what he was injured for like two years. But I don't think B.A. had him then. Carson Palmer. Yeah, which he was old, so (laughs) the injuries aren't really a surprise. But the Pewter Report had a really good Fab Five this week. Oh, yeah. Where they did talk about Steve Dumig. But they also talked about the McCoy stuff. And Scott Reynolds actually wrote a really good Fab Five about exactly what I said last week. That Yeah, Molly was like... They're listening to us. They, they listen. They said exactly what she had said. But, you know, I can see where they came to the same exact conclusion that I did because 
it seemed obvious to me after the Vernon Hargreaves stuff, and then it comes out, oh, this is just how BA coaches, which why that didn't come out sooner? Why didn't the media bring that up before that this isn't uncommon for him to do? We brought it up. We brought it up, but why didn't the media bring it up before this? Because they're making Gerald McCoy out like he's this victim, that B.A. is being so mean to him, and it's unnecessary. And then to come to find out, B.A. uses this kind of stuff to motivate guys. So why did no one draw that connection before? Because they didn't read the book? (laughs) I don't know. Well, I read the book, and I didn't really draw the connection until the Vernon... Hargrave stuff. And then they started tweeting all these articles. Oh, he does that to everybody. He did it to Calais Campbell. Mm -hmm. But Fab Scott Reynolds, Fab Five, he talked about all the Buccaneers players who had been subjected to something similar. So Mike Tomlin came in back in, what, 2001, when he was some kind of assistant with the Buccaneers, and he gave... John Lynch, a, a list of all the ways that he can improve at his position. And it pissed John Lynch off. But then at 30 and 31, John Lynch had two very accomplished seasons. I think it was Mike Tomlin. He also told Rondé Barber, hey, buddy, I'm looking to get rid of you. Like, you're on the chopping block if you don't step it up. And Rondé was Rondé. Got mad and had... 304 interceptions. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) So it worked. And then, of course, famously, John Gruden comes in, tells the defense, great defenses, score touchdowns. Asked them for nine touchdowns. Yep, and they did it. They got nine touchdowns. So there's a lot to be said for pissing a player off to motivate them. Didn't work in Gerald McCoy's case, apparently. Yeah, well, we don't know. I mean, I'm still of the opinion that he's gone, he's out of here. But, uh, you know, he could... Come and play and be extra motivated, but... Peter Rapport and Rick Stroud, they both said that the team hasn't asked him to take a pay cut. Even though they don't want to pay him the $13 million, they haven't asked him to take less money or restructure. And, and like we've talked about on the podcast, you know, McCoy has never, ever, 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 ever had a coach treat him with anything other than deference. And this is the first time that he's ever had a coach call him out and, you know, basically say, hey, I want you to play better. I want you to, you're not as good as everybody says you are, basically. We want you to earn your $13 million. And as Scott Reynolds pointed out in his Fab Five, McCoy doesn't take criticism too well. He, he had, McCoy had blocked Peter Report on Twitter or Instagram or something like that a couple years ago. And I guess he's never reinstated him. <laughs> You're no longer in my good graces. Yes. (laughs) I guess we can't get by without talking about it. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't do it. And it is our biggest storyline besides JPP. I think it's bigger than the JPP thing. Currently, it is. Yeah. We should find out about Gerald McCoy here soon because minicamp starts, what, in two weeks? And we still haven't signed Devin White. We don't have money. Exactly. So... We can't really make a move until we figure that out. There are other players that we could cut, but... Why cut six players when you can cut one? Exactly. No, no, it's going to be interesting. But when it happens, I imagine it's going to be weeks of speculation and people being upset or people being happy. and it's Yeah, going it'll to be, be a, a mix of emotions. Supposedly Cleveland wants him, but their GM hasn't made any move to 
ask the Bucks or reach out. That's the thing. You know, Dominic Sue's still out there. Yeah. He's apparently not getting any offers, any offers that's close to what he wants. Because he's going to be wanting the same amount, about $13, $14 million. And then, you know, with Gerald McCoy, if there was a team that really wanted him, they could trade for him for very little. I mean, a fifth-round draft pick maybe, a sixth, or even just a player swap, you know, like in Cleveland with the Duke Johnson, something of that nature. You get it. You could get him for a relatively low price. You just have to carry his contract number. The cap hit $13 million. Quite a few teams out there have the room for it, and they could do it. But they're not doing it, and everybody's saying, well, that's because they know we're going to cut him if they can't. You know, why trade for anything when you can get him in free agency when he gets cut? Well, well you could have made the same argument about Deshaun Jackson and still somebody gave up a third-round pick for him. Right. If you want somebody, you don't take a chance of – because when we cut him, all of a sudden you're in competition with 31 other teams to get him. You know, if you want him, you go out and you do what it takes to get him. To me, it just seems like there's just not that big a market because, like I said, Sue's sitting out there and... I think he'll go to New England. Oh, my gosh. That's my prediction. (laughs) I never even thought about that. They like doing that. Yeah. And he would take less money to go play there. You think so? No question. Everyone does. Yeah, go there and get the Super Bowl ring. Exactly. Wouldn't that be Does Sue have a ring? No. See? He got beat by New England. That's right. Last season. Can't beat him, join him. Right. Everyone else does. <laughs> and Sue being out there lowers McCoy's value, I think. But if we were to release McCoy, then the two are competing with each other in free agency. That makes sense. So like I said, it's just seems to me like the market's not that hot for either one of them. I don't, I don't think... They're going to get the money they're looking for. McCoy and Sue. It doesn't appear like it. Because, right. you know, there are teams, you know, like the Colts and Browns, you know, that have the money to sign them. They're just not doing it. No wonder McCoy doesn't want to take less money. Why? Oh, because there's teams out there that can, that have the money? No. I mean, he's not going to make $13 million no matter what happens. Unless he gets traded. Possibly, but I just don't see if Sue's out there and you could potentially get him for less money because there's not a high demand. Why would you pay Jeremy McCoy $13 million? Yeah, it's it's a tricky situation. We'll see how it all shakes out, though. Wouldn't that be something if neither one of them were signed this year? They both sat out? That'd be crazy. It wouldn't surprise me. Really? Well, I just think that they're, they want too much money and there's no market for it. If there were a market for it, Sue would have been gone already. They're not in high demand. No. Clearly. No. It's May. Teams are starting their training and their OTAs, and he hasn't gone to a team. I guess the defensive tackle position just right now is not in high demand. Well, there were a dearth of defensive linemen in the draft. That's true. So maybe that's the reason for it. And it does seem that teams are going, and this makes sense because of the CBA, that teams are going more towards younger guys because they're cheaper. But then there's that problem, like I said earlier, it seems like younger guys get hurt (laughs) quite a bit in their first and second years. Well, McCoy did. Yeah. But he was the old CBA. Yeah. Yeah. Before the new CBA. So I don't know. It's just just all strange. My brain's not working right now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just trying to come up with stuff to say. (laughs) 
Greg Spires, a defensive end. He used to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2002 to 2007. Has been arrested for stalking. It sounds like another case, kind of like with the Roy Miller thing. It's just a contentious divorce separation. Yeah. Well, he got divorced from his wife, and you know she had got a protective order out against him and all this good stuff, and she's been keeping him from his daughter. And he wasn't allowed to be near his daughter or some mess like that. And then he went to a game where she was at, and then the woman called the cops. And he was never charged with domestic violence or anything. That's sad. Yeah, it says that the stalking petition says that he can't be within 500 feet of his daughter, including at her school or any of her sporting events. But he was granted joint custody in the divorce. Yeah. I don't know. I just said, you know, divorces suck, especially when you have kids. Yeah. It sounds like he was trying to be involved in her life or something and went went to the a sporting event she was at. I don't know. Poor Greg. He looks old. That's what happens. I don't want to hear it. He's only 44. Oh, it was actually his daughter that took out the stalking, uh, took out a protective order against him hours before he came to her game at the Concord High School. Oh. She wrote in her stalking petition that Spires who is remarried and lives in Texas, showed up Wednesday at Memorial Field for her sporting event, even though she has not seen or talked to him in years. She said, It was frightening to see him invade my personal atmosphere, and I am terrified for the next week as they have hinted out that they will be here for a while. The girl wrote referring to Spires and his wife. Of course, Spires said he was totally innocent, and he's pretty shocked that he was put in jail. He said that, he was served a protective order. He got it, but he did not notice the provision prohibiting him from being on school property. He's never faced criminal charges for domestic violence. Now, with restraining orders and protective orders and all that, they hand those things out like candy. You don't have to have any evidence whatsoever. You just go in and you say, hey, I don't want this guy around me. And the judge will just sign off. See, on I've it. heard the opposite from women that it's hard to get. Well... I, no, I mean, why would why would a judge have any reason to not do it? Because if he if you don't sign a protective order and then the guy goes and kills the girl, then that looks bad on the judge. So yeah, they have no incentive whatsoever to not do it. Because if you you sign a protective order, then the husband can challenge it. You know, and that's kind of the way the courts are. They they're better safe than sorry type things. I've never known anybody that's not been able to get one. You just walk into the magistrate's office and say, I want one. And they basically give you one. Hmm. But, I mean, all you have to do is just say whatever. Yeah. You know, if you're scared, you fear for your life, whatever. If you say you fear for your life, they're going to give you a protective order and a stalking charge or something. I don't know. <laughs> I've never had to get one, so. Lucky you. Lucky me. <laughs> I need to up my game. <laughs> now, the Boston Globe had reported in 2016 that the Spires was ordered to stay away from his ex-wife after he sent her threatening text messages during a dispute over finances and uh, visitation of their teenage daughter. He had said, No stopping until justice is served. You've been stealing from me for a long time. This will not get better for you, only worse. If you're thinking about leaving, you better go now. I'm coming. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. I can't imagine why they were granted a protective order. Yeah. This stuff just gets so ugly. It really does. Like I said, especially when kids are involved. Brings out the worst in people. In the stalking petition, uh, his daughter wrote that Spires took photos and videos of her and yelled out her name while she was trying to compete in a sporting event and uh, gave her a present with a necklace and a note asking him 
asking her to contact him over the phone. She said she was shocked, and now she's afraid to go to school. A hearing on the stalking petition is uh, scheduled for Tuesday. Now, apparently he's still in jail. They're saying that he has no ties to New Hampshire. He could be a flight risk, and uh, he's a danger to his ex-wife and daughter. (laughs) What a mess, I tell you. He's on permanent disability from injuries he suffered during his career in the NFL. Hmm. Maybe he's got CTE. Don't they all? I think so. Who was it we were reading about? Um, Daniel Teo Nashim. Daniel Teo Nashim. If you don't remember, he was a defensive end for the Buccaneers uh, back during the Greg Schiano period. And he died. Drug overdose, right? In 2017. It was a combination of painkillers and alcohol. And, of course, they blamed it on CTE eventually. Right. Yeah, his family, I think, is suing for... Permanent disability. Yeah, and they actually won their appeal, which their attorney said it's really rare for that to happen. Yeah. So they're going to get, like, five grand a month or something forever. Some mess. I don't know. It's always about money. Yeah, basically. Anyhow, that's pretty depressing. I know. So let's end it on that. (laughs) Let's end it on a depressing note, guys. Game of Thrones, the end of that is tonight, so that's depressing. Yeah. Everybody's going to die. I think so. My prediction, this podcast is going to come out after the finale, but my prediction is that Daenerys is going to turn to Winterfell and burn all of the Starks. I couldn't even begin to predict anything that's going to happen. That's one thing I've always loved about this show, except for season seven. Season seven was totally predictable. But I I can't ever predict anything that's going to happen with this. I have racked my brains, and I can't come up with how this is going to end. And actually, the first half of the season, we hated because it was the dialogue was terrible. It was predictable. The Night King was just a punk, apparently. <laughs> I know. Like, what, what, like five seasons of this where he's they, coming? Yeah. And they, then they, a little girl kills him? I don't, they built it up. Yeah, and the army, the fighting, the strategy, everything was just horrible, I thought. And none of the main characters got killed, which, of course, was miraculous. So, anyhow, this is not a Game of Thrones podcast, so we're not going to continue with that. I want to. <laughs> Could you imagine all the people that have Game of Thrones podcasts now? Yeah, there's like, probably a lot. It's it's this is it. Oh yeah, it's like the podcast that started because of the Mueller report. Yeah, it's well, I guess they're still they're carrying still that still digging that through there, but the Game of Thrones they're having a prequel that's going to be starting sometime, probably next year. So I guess all these people that have Game of Thrones podcasts and video channels and stuff are going to. Just transfer over to that, probably. Yeah. Well, we're going to read the books after the show's over. We are? Yes. There's still a book behind me on I know. A Man Called Ove. I read two pages. <laughs> You've had all weekend. You've read two pages. Okay. I guess that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, if you like the podcast, give us a share out. Just hit the share button in whatever app you're using. Throw a link on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Wherever you know us Buccaneer fans reside. If you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com. Send Ralph your favorite cat facts at ralph at at buccaneersobserver.com. We're on Twitter at bucks underscore observer. And we have a website 
Buccaneersobserver.com. Do you know how many Scientology links I got (laughs) from that last one? Now I'm going to get a bunch of cat. I'm not opposed to the cat facts either. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Till next time. Go Bucks.